What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, we'll look at UFC 251. We'll preview four fights on the main card. Let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. Special thanks to Woos Media. This, of course, is a Woos Media podcast. If you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, and want the best of today's online marketing, check them out online, woosmedia.com. That's W-O-O-Z-E media.com. All right, so on today's show, we will break down four fights on the main card. This is a huge card coming up on Saturday. UFC 251 is going to be a lot of fun. So we will talk about four of the bigger fights on the main card. Jessica Andrade taking on Rose Namajunas. Uh, Peter Jan, or excuse me, uh, Petri Jan. I keep wanting to call him Peter. Peter Griffin. Petri Jan taking on Jose Aldo, Alexander Volkanovsky, and Max Holloway too. And of course, Kamaru Usman taking on Jorge Masvidal. So we'll uh, break down all four of those fights and give a pick right now. Fight number one. Let's go to the ladies. Uh, Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas. I call her uh, Voodoo Mama Juju <laughs> for all you Office fans. Uh, now, they fought May 11th of 2019. Jessica Andrade won that one by a second-round knockout. So they know each other well. But I have a couple takeaways from that first fight. Now, before we get to that actual first fight, Jessica Andrade is coming off a loss, her first knockout loss of her career. So we've talked about this before. It's a big deal when that first knockout of your career happens. It's a mental hurdle to get back over. So Jessica Andrade, even though she won the first fight, she is coming off a big loss. Uh, Again, knockout for the first time in her career. And it was a first-round knockout. It's pretty brutal. Uh, Rose uh, Namajunas, her punching... So let's go back to the first fight. Rose Namajunas' punching was really good. I mean, I thought that she was landing strikes. She was doing what she wanted to in the first round, and it was really going her way. Then the second round came, and Jessica Andrade made some adjustments. She started kicking, and that was a huge part of the fight when she incorporated those leg kicks because Rose just didn't really know what to do with that point. She couldn't get out of the way. She kept just walking directly backwards into the, into the fence, and that's exactly where Jessica Andrade thrives. That's where she wanted it to go. So, look, if you look at both these fighters, they, they always kind of employ somewhat of the same style. Like, Rose is going to be technical. She's going to kick. Or she's going to strike for sure. I think she should kick a little bit more than she did in the last fight. But she's a, a technical uh, boxer, a technical striker. Jessica Andrade, she wants to be near, near the fence. I mean, she wants to get in the clinch, grapple, get this thing near the fence, uh, lean on Rose Ma- uh, Mama Juju, <laughs> lean on Rose Mama Junis, and, and really, you know, kind of use her strength to take this over. Because honestly, Jessica Andrade is the much stronger of the two. And last, last uh, fight, like I said, once Andrade landed those leg kicks and started working the body, I mean, it, it really did turn around. And not a lot of people saw it, but it, Jessica Andrade landed that left hook before she took down Rose uh, Namajunas. So things were going. Namajunas was way last fight, but eventually in the second round, those leg kicks got to her. She did get hit by a left hook before getting taken down. But a couple things need to be changed. Rose just needs to not do what she did last fight and walk straight backwards into the fence to get away. It needs to be more active side to side. And I think that'll really counter a lot of what Jessica Andrade likes to do. As I mentioned, Andrade's strength is by the cage. She's very, very strong. Best thing for Rose to do, stay away from the fence entirely, stay in the middle of the octagon. And if that happens, I think Rose Namajunas could win this. She is the favorite, minus 180 or so. 
And if Rose can incorporate those leg kicks, I think it'll change a lot. Those early leg kicks, be more defensive, move side to side. I think that'll change a lot in this fight. Uh, we're going to go Rose Namajunas, Voodoo Mamajuju up to uh, about minus 200. I said minus 180. I think these lines have moved a little bit. Uh, Rose Namajunas will say 200 available price as we record on. Uh, July 8th at about 6.30 in the morning Pacific time. All right, let's get on to fight number two. Uh, Petri Jan taking on Jose Aldo. This is for the vacant bantamweight title. So right now there is no bantamweight champion. This is for the title. These guys have trained together in the past. They know each other very well. And rumors are Jose Aldo owned Petri Jan before. Now, a couple things have changed. Petri Jan was very young. He was getting going. Jose Aldo was probably in his prime back then. But how do we handicap this? Because mentally, I think that's a big deal. Now, you can look at it one of two ways. Either Petrion's going to be a little intimidated. I mean, how does that factor in when you got completely owned by a guy all the time when you were sparring and now you have to fight him? Uh, you know, and it, it, it's kind of the allure of the mind. So how does how is Petrion going to handle that? You know, obviously, the other side is he's going to be motivated, completely motivated to come back and prove that he belongs to, to fight with Jose Aldo. Now, I am certainly leaning towards the, the the first of the two. Is it ideal to think that you're going to be motivated to come back strong and want to, to beat him? Yeah, definitely. But if you've never done it before in your life, I think he's realistic. Petrion is what, definitely realistic enough to know you can't just will yourself to a win, especially against Jose Aldo. So I will give Aldo the slight edge there. But look, you can also look at it from, from his perspective. Does Jose Aldo come in here thinking uh, that he's going to slap Petrion around, that he's going to own this fight because he used to in the past? Now, I don't think that's going to be the case. But again, all of this is in the handicapping, the mental aspect of it. If you can get a good read there by the interviews, what they've said leading up to this fight, that will really help you handicap this. But I think the mental edge goes to Jose Aldo. Now, let's look at their resumes. Jose Aldo has way more experience. It's not even close. Petrion's biggest biggest opponent up to this point in his career has been Jimmy, Jimmy Rivera. I mean, I may as well have said Jimmy Pesto. It's the same thing. Jose Aldo is an all-timer. Petrion hasn't been to the fifth round yet. But if you look at combinations, who's the more technical striker, Petrion's the better, better boxer. He has the better combinations in this fight. I will certainly concede that to Petrion. He's a good, young, up-and-coming fighter. Probably the most lethal combinations in the entire division of uh, bantamweights. And he gets better as the fight goes on. He's a better third-round striker than a first-round striker. He needs time to see what his opponents are doing, find out how to work his combinations in there, and then later on in the third round, that's when Petrion usually comes to life. Jose Aldo, on the other hand, is an early fighter, a first-round fighter. He's going to come out stronger in the earlier rounds. Now, here's the thing. Jose Aldo, earlier in his career, was a much more uh, diverse fighter. He would take down, use leg kicks, he'd box, he'd wrestle, he'd do everything. L recently, he's gotten really comfortable with the boxing. He's really fallen in love with the boxing. But he can't do that this fight because Petrion is the better boxer, is the better striker. So I think we see Jose Aldo go back to who he used to be, being aggressive early on. And if he decides to go for those takedowns, especially early, this could be a long night for, for Petrion. I mean, I truly believe if Jose Aldo does what he has done his whole career, or at least the first part of his career, he has a slight edge when this thing, if this thing gets muddy and, and gets a little bit ugly. Now, Petrion can take people down, but we're talking about Jose freaking Aldo here, the best wrestling defender maybe in the sport. 
So it should turn out to be more of a striking match, you would think, unless Aldo decides to take the wrestling into his own hands. Does does Aldo try and take Jan to the ground? Does Aldo counter Jan and end up wrestling? That, honestly, is what I think has the best chance of happening here. They start boxing. It is a sparring match for a while, maybe one or two rounds. And I think Petrion gets comfortable. I think he leans in, gets a lot of that weight on the front foot, gets a little overzealous, and he's going to get countered. And eventually, Jose Aldo's going to bring him to the ground where he will control the fight. Does Aldo counter Jan and end up wrestling? I believe so. And I think that's a big deal in this fight, the Jose Jose, uh, Aldo counter effect. Aldo is so fast. He's got so much more experience. I just don't want to pay the price right now of minus 180 for Petrion. I think this is mispriced. I think this is going to be a 50-50 fight. These are two great fighters. But if you're giving me Jose Aldo plus 200, that is not fair at all. So we'll go Aldo with a price of plus 200 over Petrion. All right, let's move on to another title fight. Second of three title fights of the night, or at least it will be handicapping. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky taking on Max Holloway. This is a rematch. Uh, And matter of fact, the last time these guys fought were both their last fights. It was, I think, December of last year, January this year. It It was really recent. And what happened in that fight... Oh, it was December last year. Excuse me. What happened in that fight? Max Holloway was the champion. Volkanovski came in as the number one contender. And really, I think he owned the entire fight. There's a lot of people saying it was so close. It was a close decision. Max Holloway got robbed. I don't think that was the case at all. I think if you watch it, Volkanovski was the clear winner. He handled that fight really from beginning to end. I mean, maybe from the beginning to midway through the fourth round or up until the fifth round, and then Holloway kind of figured out a few things. But Volkanovski won that fight for sure. Overtook Holloway as the featherweight champion and won the featherweight title. Now, only a couple months later, they're fighting again because Holloway wants that title back. Now, let's look back at the first fight. Volkanovski's leg kicks were a huge factor. He would just walk down Max Holloway and blast him with those leg kicks. Holloway didn't know what to do. And as I said, a lot of people say it was a closer fight than it was. I think that's not the case simply because Volkanovski had so many more leg kicks. He was just scoring points the entire time, and it hurt Max Holloway. Holloway didn't move well after he got kicked. He didn't counter well at all. He really didn't know what to do. And keep in mind, Max Holloway lost that last fight when he was really fighting at his peak, at least statistically. I mean, he wasn't losing fights. Holloway has been training. So, he again, he hadn't been losing fights. Something needs to change after that first matchup, though, okay? So this is theoretically a big training camp for Max Holloway. The only issue is... He's been doing all of his training on Skype or whatever, maybe Zoom or something like that. He's been doing it online. He needs to make major adjustments. An online training session where you're hitting a punching bag is not going to do near what you need to compete with, I think, the the strongest, best fighter in, in the featherweight division, Alexander Volkanovsky. And I know that's tough to say because it's so crowded at the top, but this guy's He's amazing. He's 21-1. and one. Since that first loss, he has looked unstoppable. And, and the same happened last, last matchup against Max Holloway. So, it's not as easy as, well, Holloway just needs to check leg kicks and he should be okay. I mean, he needs a brand new game plan, and I'm not sure that's going to happen. Volkanovski has the power edge. 
He's got the surprise factor. And when I say surprise factor, what I mean is Volkanovski has some of the most unorthodox combinations in all of UFC. It's tough to tell what he's going to do. He's very unpredictable. Look at the Chad Mendez fight. He can be so versatile, has so much skill. And by the way, in that fight, he got hit. He got dropped, came back to get a decisive win. So he can take a punch or two if Max Holloway does make a couple changes. And Alexander Volkanovsky, for sure, the most power in the featherweight division. So Volkanovsky, again, he's just so good. He's the best fighter in the UFC nobody talks about. He's got so many weapons, and it's tough to, again, it's tough to tell what he's trying to do. From sequence to sequence, he's one of the most unorthodox, unpredictable fighters you, you can have. So if you're going to beat Volkanovsky, you've got to make the fight chaotic. You've got to make it ugly. You've got to you get rid of all the technical stuff, and that's just something Max Holloway doesn't do. So I see not a lot of ways Max Holloway wins this one. I'm going to go Alexander Volkanovsky. It is minus 230, but I think that it's still worth the price. All right, and on to the main event, Kamaru Usman and Jorge Masvidal. Obviously, the big story here, Jorge Masvidal taking this thing on six days' notice, but let's not overlook the fact that he has been training. It has not been a full training camp. He has not been fully preparing for Kamaru Usman, but he goes to the gym, self-admittedly, all the time. He's always in pretty good shape. I don't think he had that much weight to cut uh, when he got the notification, and the question is, how effective is he going to be, right? It's not, I don't think anyone is expect, expecting a 100% Jorge Masvidal, but it's how effective. Is he going to be 40% effective, 90% effective? Can he go five rounds? So there are questions that, that need to be answered. Kamaru Usman is a fast fighter. He has a crazy, crazy pace. Now, I don't mean he's going to get in there and, and, and be... Uh, you know, quick with his hands, even though he does have quick hands. What I mean is there's a there's a high level of pace to his fights. He's going to try and wear you out over five rounds. That's how he wins his fights, okay? This is going to be a very different fight for Jorge Masvidal if Usman does what he normally does and pushes the pace. Usman normally wins, again, by dragging you out for a couple rounds, four, five rounds, making it a long, drawn-out fight, hitting you with with points here or there, uh, a couple leg kicks, a couple like he did to Tyrone Woodley, you know, just technical strike, 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 and then go for the takedown. I think Kamaru Usman is one of the best condition fighters in all of the UFC, and you can easily see that on a fight-to-fight basis. So if he pushes the, the, the pace, if he goes after Jorge, or not necessarily goes after Jorge, but can set the pace of the fight, this will favor Kamaru Usman. There's no doubt about that. But that may not necessarily be a bad thing because if Masvidal can change his pace and change the way this fight looks and the way he attacks this thing, if Masvidal attacks from the very beginning and initiates contact, puts immediate pressure on Kamaru Usman, things actually make it ugly, which is good for Masvidal. Now, what I just said may sound similar for the two guys. Okay, Let me explain the difference. Kamara Usman needs to dictate the pace of the fight. He doesn't need to charge in there and make this a brawl. He needs to take charge of the fight. Jorge Masvidal needs to make this a brawl. Needs to get in there and do what he did to, to Ben Askren, even though that ended in about five seconds. He needs to run in and just make this thing ugly from the get-go. That's, that's what needs to happen. The only times Kamaru Usman in his career has looked really uncomfortable in the octagon have been against Colby Covington and O'Neal Mack. Now, what did they both do? They brought it to him. 
They waited no time. They, they, they got directly in the ring, went after Usman, made him uncomfortable, and he didn't know what to do. When Kamaru Usman gets uncomfortable, he may go for a takedown, like most wrestlers do by default in that situation. He may try and hit a haymaker, which if Masvidal manages to, to, to slip that, then Kamaru Usman will be in big trouble in this fight. So if Masvidal decides to bring it to him, which is so important here, He's a better striker. He's got more power. That will create somewhat of an edge in this fight for Masvidal. Now let's get back to Usman. He needs to get this thing to the ground. He is strong on the ground, but he needs to pick his spots. He can't just go for a quick takedown. He can't just... Because look, Masvidal's good. Like I think a lot of people look at Masvidal's record, 35-13, and 13, and, and, and overlook him because of that. He's very technical. He's one of the best defensive... Uh, fighters in in the division, much less the entire UFC. He can strike. He's great defending takedowns and defending wrestling. So it's not like Usman's just going to have a free pass to do whatever he wants here. But he does ideally need to get Masvidal to the ground. He's not going to win a boxing or striking match with Masvidal. So if Jorge Masvidal is not forcing it, I think Usman will control this fight. But if you look at the situation here, you know, it's weird leading up. Jorge Masvidal gets the call six days before. The, there, there's a big question about his his training, his um, kind of how in shape he is for this thing. And then Kamaru Usman said on an interview that he got a call immediately at, at the Dallas-Fort Worth airport, started eating a bunch of Mexican food, got a big beer. He, he said he gained a ton of weight. And then when he did his last interview, he looked really skinny. So... <sighs> There's a lot going on behind the scenes here. And, and I'm really questioning Kamaru Usman's mental state. He's already making excuses, saying if Jorge Masvidal, well, look, I mean, he's already, uh, uh, not necessarily excuses, but he's saying, well, look, Jorge's already building in his excuses. I don't even know if this is going to be. It, it doesn't seem like he's locked in. When Usman is so worried about Masvidal's angle and what's going to happen if he wins or loses the fight, that's telling me that Usman isn't right where he should be in the mind. Jorge Masvidal really doesn't have much to lose here. It seems like a no-lose situation for him. And if that is the case, wouldn't that make make it more likely that he will just go for broke, that he will just attack Kamaru Usman and try and knock him out or at least bring him down with one of those big punches in the first or second round? Again, the longer this fight goes on, it does favor Kamaru Usman. If Jorge Masvidal is going to win this thing, it needs to be ugly and he's got to do something early on to make it ugly. And to make it a brawl. So I'm going to take Jorge Masvidal, the underdog. Now the lines come all the way down to plus 210, which I don't love. But we'll still give it out. Jorge Masvidal plus 210 against Kamaru Usman. The reason I say I don't love that, that thing opened up plus 255. So I uh, hope you already got it. But if not, we still lean with Jorge. Once again, all four fights. Rose Namajunas minus 200. Jose Aldo plus 200. Alexander Volkanovsky, minus 230, and Jorge Masvidal, plus 210. Good luck, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle, every day on your favorite podcast player.